He said under the tent, shout, I shouted. He said, raise your hand, I raised my hands. You know, if, if Teddy said, every hand under this tent be raised right now, well, I'm not just raising one, I'm raising every hand. One, when we understand that when the Spirit of the Lord moves through men, and it is God talking, and we move in that kind of obedience, we're honoring God, even on the small, uh, small level, and the Lord will honor us. And uh, when we give, it's an honor, and it's a worship to the Lord. And uh, it's one of those things where we want to get it to the place where our heart is so pure and so perfect, and that is, Lord, I love you. I'm giving this to you because I I love you and because I worship you. Not under compulsion. That means not under force. I'm not giving because it was a message that pulled on my emotions. I'm giving because I love God. And when we get to that place, something changes in us. Something changes. Amen? Amen. You can turn to Hebrews 11.6. One of my favorite verses. This morning we're talking about winning and increase through consistency. Now, some people could see that title and and, and be like, oh, well, this pastor is just talking about how God wants to get good things to people and people are showing up because he's telling them what good things God will do. Well, first of all, I'd say, what's wrong with that? Doesn't God want you blessed? Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Doesn't, he want to, doesn't the word say God delights in the prosperity of his servants? But what I'm going to address is a problem that's been happening in the church that is within our control. And, and this message is going to address that, but also in the middle of it, give you hope, Right? It's going to give you hope. There's, there's a lot of times, you notice yesterday that uh, after the meeting I sent out a message. Did anybody get that message on Voxer? Yeah. yeah. If you're not hooked up on the Voxer line, uh, we'll send out timely communication. Very timely sometimes. Sometimes it's extremely timely. Yesterday was one of those. And I've noticed every major event we've ever had. Every major event we've ever had in 12 and a half years, it's generally before the event is even finished, the devil will start attacking people and they'll get offended, they'll get down. And what he's doing is the thing that they just received, he's trying to steal it before they even get home. And if he can't steal it then, he'll try to pounce on them. You know, and I don't, I don't want to highlight the devil, but the Bible does say this. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Don't be ignorant of his, of his schemes. We need to be mindful of it. And I can tell you, I've had multiple conversations about this recently. The Lord's had my mind on it. He is, uh, he's been bringing it up to me. He reminded me when we first started the church that we would be preaching and uh, everybody would be receiving and amening and everybody would be hallelujahing and everybody would just be doing great and, and they would be good on Sunday morning. Some of y'all that have been here a long time, you remember this or some of it. But then on Sunday afternoon to Saturday night, they were getting shredded by the devil. And I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, why are... I was like... These are good people. Why are they getting shredded by the devil? Like I'm teaching them the principles of God. You're, you're showing up. People are getting healed, delivered. I'm like, why are they getting shredded? And what the Lord brought me to was the scripture that Jesus said. It's, he told the Pharisees, he said, you do err 
not knowing the scripture or the power of God. And what he led me to was where you thought that society and even church society on a scale was up here in their work. And watch this, their working knowledge of God. It's one thing to agree with it and amen it. It's another thing to know how to apply it. You thought they were here when they were actually here. And, you know, I was going in preaching up here, and I had to take my preaching back to a foundational and basic level. And that was difficult for me, but it was was because I just want to give you everything. You know, I just want to give you everything. I want to give you every detail that God has given me and share it with you. And uh, Deb and I were on the phone one time. She was like, Pastor, you are overfeeding us. And uh, just like when you overfeed a plant, too much stuff, you can burn it up. She said, you're overfeeding us. We can't process it all. And I I realized I was watching after she said that, and I heard the voice of the father in that. I was like, that's right. I am. I'm overfeeding. I'm, I'm stuffing them. And uh, what happened was I was, I would be preaching stuff and I'd be giving these things and I'd ask people, what'd you get out of the message? And uh, they'd tell me one thing. Well, I had five major points. <laughs> I had five major points. They told me one of them. And I went, they're only processing one thing, one thing. And it's good. That's not a bad thing. If I could get you to grab one thing a week, that would change your life. That's 52 new truths a year, right? You're here for five years. That's 260 truths. 260 truths in five years. That's life-changing. So that's not a bad thing. But I was given so much, it was scrambling some of that because... I really thought that society was here. I grew up in the church in the 80s and the 90s. And 80s and 90s were different in church. The 80s and 90s in church was people were hungry for the Lord. You had a meeting and you had somebody who was preaching the word and preaching truths, it would be packed. It would be packed. So when we started the church, people were hungry. Well, that changed. In the, in the 90s and the 2000s, that changed. We started the church in 2009. I'm expected, we're lifting up Jesus, man. People are just going to flood in here. No, people were blessed in the physical, and they stopped looking towards God. And because of that, uh, he said it just the other night. He, you see it, I think it's in Judges. In one generation, one generation can lose their knowledge of God. That's why we must pass that on. We have to pass on knowledge of God. You know, in this country, it's very important for us to pass on the foundations of freedom because freedom is not something you inherit through your blood that you just have. Freedom is something you inherit in the place that you're in and you inherit it through Jesus by faith. You have to, you have to teach people the liberty and the freedom of God. You have to teach people to flow in the Spirit. Just because you're born, born again doesn't mean you'll flow in the Spirit. You have, to, you have to appropriate it by faith. You have to step into it. How many people, uh, you know that God's big and strong and he does miraculous things, but you, oh, okay, all right, good, yeah, amen. Excited, glory to God, amen. And uh, that, that makes me happy. And, uh, but how many people have ever had a problem, even though you knew God was good and big and wanted to do great things, he's not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly, right? He delights in the prosperity of his servant. How 
many people have had a problem when it came to being free in church so that you didn't even want to go up to the altar sometime when you know you needed to get to the altar. How many people, you had a hard time maybe at one point raising your hands, right? It was like just getting free. Like, you know, the first time you ever raised your hand, you were like, and this is breakthrough, you know? It was breakthrough. And, and you were like this, and then you were like, looking around, who's watching me? Probably nobody. And then, and then that day, you raised your hands up right here. You, you had two. Right? And it's amazing that even though we're born again, we have the Spirit of Christ, we have to catch the liberty that's in the Spirit. The Lord is a Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom, right? And so these are things that we need to teach, we need to pass down. Because if we're not walking freely in the Spirit of God, we will miss things. And so what I found was we were preaching good messages. I mean, I go back and listen to some of those messages sometimes. I'm like, wow, that was anointed. Like, well, then where were the people? That, you know, where? And that was one of my biggest frustrations. Like, I knew God was giving me fresh daily bread, and nobody was there. And, man, that was frustrating. Man, it was frustrating. I was like, what in the world's going on? I didn't, you know, just, it was so frustrating. Yeah. Like, I know we're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Where are the people? Like, not just because I want a bunch of numbers. I want people blessed. I want people free. Yeah. Where are they? And I'll tell you this little struggle that I had going on, it was like this. Over the years, we'd have good moments, we'd have bad moments. One time, one time this was uh, about year four or something like that. We had started in our house, and then we were there for a year and three months, and Nicole can tell you days and hours that we started in our house. And uh, then for a year, we were in the pavilion building, right? The YMCA pavilion at the tent, the other building that's on that same lot. We were there for about a year. Then we moved into the Paramount building, which was the office building downtown. What's interesting about the Paramount building was we were only promised to be there three months. Yeah. I said, Lord, I don't want to give up a working building. I don't want to give up a working building that works for us to move in, go through the effort of moving in, and then lose that building and potentially lose what we could fall back to as well. We're only promised three months. You know what the Lord said? He spoke to me. He said, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Move in. I was like, well, okay, now, now I got confidence. You know, now, now I got some resolve. We were only promised three months. We were in that building for six years. <laughs> six years. That's a great growing place for us. It was, and the world. Lord came to pass. He said, he told me where to go, and he told me it'd be fine, and we were there for six years. And then we moved in here. Now, one time when we were in the Paramount building, we if you saw the old sign, I think we have the old sign back here. We do? That, that's awesome. And uh, that, I remember when we bought that sign. I think that sign cost us like $750, and it might as well have been a million. We felt like we were the hugest stuff when we got that sign. I mean, we were like, oh, my goodness, we got a sign, you know. And uh, that was seven, it was really a good price for that sign. And they, they came in and installed it as well. And uh, it, it was like 750 bucks. Man, 
We saved for that sign for months to get that sign. We saved for months to get that sign. And uh, if you look at that sign, it has our service times. And right below the service times, there's an extra space because we were planning on going to two services. And at that time, we were running a total, I think it was 60 to 80 people on a Sunday morning. And uh, we were just about to go to two services. And uh, right at that moment, the Lord said, not yet, not yet. I said, okay. I remember uh, Barry Tubbs from Brother Copeland's Ministries came in. He's been uh, serving Brother Copeland, a right-hand guy, for over 30-something years. I think it's like 37, 38, maybe 40 years now. Um, Talk about diligence and loyalty, which is what we're talking about this morning. And here he came in and he preached. And then within a month of him preaching, we were cut in half in our numbers. Well, that feels great. Within a month. And my, I know, you know, what you're going through your head was going through my head. Man, should I have let him preach? <laughs> because he had a message kind of like, get real. Yeah. Now, he didn't say this, but here's kind of the message. Get real or get out. Yeah. Well, they listened. <laughs> the ones that stayed got real and the ones that left got out, you know. And his message was, we need to quit playing as Christians. Yeah. And uh, I was like... Man, and I, I, I knew immediately, I was like, because the Lord, it was supernatural for him to even be there. I knew he was supposed to be there. And the Lord had told me not to, not to go to two services yet. He knew what was about to happen. And uh, what we had was we had had some people, we kind of got cool for a minute. We, had, we were cool, you know, not trying to be cool, but as a church, apparently some people thought for a few months we were cool. And we had a bunch of people that were there because it was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden when it came down to disciplining their flesh, we weren't cool anymore. It's the most amazing thing. All of a sudden we weren't cool. Soon as soon as they had to work on themselves, it was like, no, they're not cool. They're not cool anymore. Yeah. And so how do you think that makes me feel as a leader? I was like, oh, this, what are we doing? These are the days when I had many conversations with God. Lord, if you want me to shut down this church, we're in error or something, something like that, for goodness sakes, just tell me. Just tell me. I'll do it. I'll tell everybody to go over there to that church. I'll go serve that pastor. I'll go serve them. Don't care nothing about that. that I'll, I'll gladly stand up in front of people and tell them, the Lord has told me to shut it down, and I will. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and the Lord, you know, a couple, if the Lord, you ever ask the Lord something and he doesn't answer you? <laughs> yeah, I've had a few moments like that. I ask the Lord something and there's no answer back. I'm like, that might have been the wrong question. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that wasn't quite the right question. And, uh, but I asked him again because I was humbling myself. I was willing to take that, you know, kind of like our Isaac, our baby, and put it on the altar. Yeah. Say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? You want to sacrifice? I'll sacrifice it. I'll sacrifice it in a second, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And... Uh, I got to the place one time where I asked him, he said, have you accomplished the vision that I told you for Boomerang? 
I said, no. He said, then you're not done. Then you're not done. And that was just the beginning. He said, matter of fact, I've called you to this. It is supposed to be so. You just stand and having done all, stand. And I was like, well, okay. And so, well, and after a while, he said, don't even ask me anymore. He said, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to keep going. If anything changes, I'll let you know. And that's kind of the directive he gave me. So, okay. I haven't asked him now in years, but I would if he directed me to do that. I would. But I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to show you some things in the Word that are very interesting. And we need to know it as a body because the Word says, how can two walk together unless they agree? Because you're here, we're called to walk together. And so we have to be in agreement on some things. We have to be in agreement on some issues and stop letting the devil steal from us because we're not in agreement on some issues. And I'm going to show you some of the things that the Lord has shown me over time to help me uh, through that process. I I want you to hear something. We heard it I don't know how many times this week. You know, we just supported Brother Ted Shelsworth Sr. in the tent meeting. I want you to know that I heard it from almost every worker that they have. They brought 17 people. The other church sent up uh, 10 or 12 volunteers, 10 volunteers from Atlanta to help us win souls out on the street. And uh, almost every single one of them walked up to me and said, Pastor, you have the best team I've ever seen. You have the most humble and serving people I've ever seen. One, one person said, I've been traveling with Brother Ted for eight years. I've never seen it as good as it is here that you have. Jonathan, who's the main guy, said it as well. And I just want to you know, just give God glory for what he did through you guys this week. And even Ted Sr. himself said, Pastor, the excellence and professionalism and the service that you have established here is going to do great things. He said, it is amazing. Now, what's interesting is I know almost everybody in here is a part of that serving team. But think about that testimony. They've gone how many places and not seen it like that? I know almost everybody in here served in some capacity. And I just applaud you as a pastor. There's no better testimony or or compliment that I can get than the people have grown to the place where they know how to serve. Because he says the greatest will be the servant of all. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And what I want you to see is we've grown. Because there was a time where the only servants in the church were Nicole and I. There was a time where that was the case. You had people doing little things, but they'd fall off. They wouldn't be sustained. They wouldn't do anything. She led children's ministry for years. She never heard the messages because she was with the children. She never ministered the offering because she was with with the super kids all that time. And then we grew and Deb took over the children's ministry and took it to a, a, you know, two or three different levels higher than that. You know, but you have, and you have people that are sustained now. We're not just talking about servants that serve one time and then you don't see them anymore. No, we have sustained servants. I heard this, I heard this comment this week multiple times. If the Lord ever called me to start a church, 
with the people you have, I would gladly do that. They could start a church. What a testimony to the goodness of God that has transformed our hearts to be that. I want you to see, that's not patting ourselves on the back. That's saying, God, you've done something here. Even when it doesn't look like growth, growth was happening. Amen. And see, that was, that's what was happening even when, you know, the congregation split in half that, those years ago. You know what was actually happening? There was, there was really a divide. People who were there just because it was cool and people who were there for Jesus. And when we got rid of the cool, the power of God came in. Even though it looked like numerically we lost, the power of God flowed into that place because where unity is, Psalm 133, it says, God commands the blessing. And he commanded his blessing on that half stronger than it was before it split. Before it. It was amazing. So even though numerically it looked like it went down, we went up. We went up. You know, our offerings never even suffered during that time. It was amazing. That, that doesn't even make sense. That's because people that were cool wasn't really giving anything to. So that was, that's what happens. Like, yeah, it is. Because when, when you're in unity, there's a growth that's happening. There's a growth. You know, when you're paying bills and, and you're barely got enough to pay all the bills and you're believing God every single week and half your church walked out the door within a month, like, logically, you think, well, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? It was amazing. We never had any issue whatsoever. None. Glory to God. Glory to God. The message again, winning an increase by consistency. The Lord hit me with something. I was on the phone with Brother Tracy earlier this week, and the Lord hit me with something. We have grown in ways that I wasn't seeing. But I'm telling you, this week, I saw it. I saw growth at a level in Boomerang we've never had before. We've never had before. I saw a church filled with core people. Generally, most churches don't have more than 20% that do all the work. Generally, generally 20% of the church does all the work. We, we've probably flipped that. You know, I know we have new people that are just getting plugged in and stuff like that. We probably have 80% that are workers in this church, that are volunteers. Everybody here is a volunteer. What can we do with that? What has the Lord done? Do you see that growth? Can you see it with me? Can you see that increase? Churches, these are people, ministers that are on the road all the time going, these are people I would take and utilize in my ministry anytime. Now it's at the place where we say, look what the Lord's given us. Father, now give us direction. Give us vision and let's see what God can do. Amen. I want you to see this, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's basically telling you that he is everything you're ever going to need. When he said on the mountain to Moses, I am. He said, you tell them I am that I am sent you. 
He was saying, whatever you need me to be, I am that. And so when it says here, they must believe. If we come to God, we have a responsibility. And the responsibility, first of all, is believe that he is. A lot of times when the devil sacks people, it's because they don't believe that God is what they need. They believe they have to figure it out logically. They, they believe that they're going to have to get their ideas through much, uh, very much study. That doesn't mean that you don't need to work hard, but you believe God for a supernatural grace even in your study, right? You believe God to open up some things. But here's most people, I've watched them, and, I, and what I have to do, have you ever uh, been talking to somebody and they want to tell you their problem? And uh, you, you realize that as soon as they start, there's going to be like 10 minutes of hearing their problem, right? And I don't, want, I don't have 10 minutes to give right here. And, uh, you know, and I have to do this a lot because it's like, you know, as pastors, sometimes you become the garbage dump of everybody's problems, and they want to tell you what the problem is. But the issue is, it really doesn't matter what the problem is because I already know the solution. Amen. I already know who the solution is. Yeah. I already know he can fix it. Yeah. And the details of your problem are never going to supersede Jesus. Amen. So sometimes I'll be like, I'll be like, okay, uh, well, you just, all right, you need, you need healing. Yeah, you don't have to tell me what the doctor said. You don't have to tell me all of that. You need healer. I know a healer, right? And we can cut to the chase, and we can just get to that place. But the issue is our world has taught people to feel something when they get attention. And, and a lot of times that's what people want. They just want sympathy. They want attention. They want sympathy. They, they, honestly, I've watched this through the years. Some people don't even want healing. They just want attention. And, and when, I, when I sense that that's the case, I just listen to them. Yeah. I just listen to them. And I'll just hear what they, and I, I'll be that person that will just be willing to listen to them and love them. Because that's what they really need. They need that. Maybe, maybe later on they'll wake up and God will heal them too and realize they don't need that. They can have a relationship with Jesus and everything's in him. But sometimes uh, when they're after that, I'll tell them, I'll say, okay, let's pray. And we'll pray. And, and aren't, when we pray, aren't we supposed to believe we received by faith? Yeah. Aren't we supposed to do that? So let's say we pray and you believe that you have received by faith. Well, after that, is the problem still around? If you believe and pray by faith, is there still a problem or is the problem solved? Should be solved. And then they'll go back into another five minute what the doctor said and this and that. And I'm like, well, that prayer wasn't worth nothing. That prayer wasn't worth anything, you know. And they'll go back in into that. See, the issue is that with a lot of people, they think that Jesus and God isn't big enough to handle it. And, and a lot of times it sounds like that. Well, I just can't do that, Pastor. I just can't do that. I just can't forgive that person. I just can't let go of it. No, you can't because he is. Yeah. Say it with me. Say, I can, I can. because he is. Because he, is. he is the solution. Yeah. Say it again. I can, I can. Because, he is. because he is. Those that come to him, look at this terminology the Holy Spirit uses in this verse. Must believe must believe this way, that he is. He's the solution. He's already got it all figured out. They must believe that he is. 
A lot of time, one of the very first things I'm trying to get somebody to an over, overflow, the first thing they got to realize is God can solve this. And I'm trusting on him. If they don't believe God can solve them, we might as well not go any further because right here we see they must believe that he is. They must believe that he can do it. If they're focusing on the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, they're not focusing on him, they're going to sink in the water just like Peter did. But if they'll focus on him, he is my solution. He is my supernatural power to walk over the top of the wind and the waves. He is, he is, he is. When they see that, all of a sudden something changes in their heart and they can, they can become prepared to receive that solution. So we must believe that he is. The second thing it says here, and this is what I want to focus on, is they must believe that he is, in the King James it says this, a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now, I diligently seek him diligently seek him. In other words, I'm not seeking him during one week of revivals and then I'm dropping the ball. No, it's a diligence. It's a consistency. Winning an increase through consistency. If we're not consistent, then our lives are going to be like this. And you don't have to raise your hand, but I know it's everybody in here. How many people's lives spiritually have been like this at some point in their lives? And how many people, you're tired of it and you never want it to be like that again? I, um, no, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and it's time to be consistent. Well, in order to have consistent victories, we have to diligently seek Him. Part of that is even through the week, right? Even through the week, when we come out of Sunday, glory to God, ripping and roaring and shouting and hallelujah and wow, glory. I felt the power of God. And, and it's like by Sunday afternoon, oh, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh, Jesus. I know none of y'all have ever been there, but I have before, so that's why I'm telling you, it may help one person. They're online, I'm sure. The issue is what, what happened. We went from shouting and giving God glory to taking our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter on the water. He was walking on the water. He was walking on the water. He was walking on the water, y'all. If I could ever get my faith up to that level, everything will just be, just be fine from there on out. Ask Peter if that was the case. <laughs> I walked on the water. <laughs> Two minutes later. Anybody ever felt like that? Glory to God, man, the power of God just went through me. That was the anointing of God knocked me out. I'm laying on the floor going, what in the world happened? How did I get here? And man, I felt it trembling, laughing, joy. I got healed, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, now you're sinking and, and, and gasping for air. Right. What happened? We took our eyes off of he is. And we started looking at the wind and the waves. Took our eyes off of it. See, here's, here's what people think. Here's what people think about Jesus. Let me give you another scripture. First uh, John chapter 5 and verse 4. Let's put that up on there. First John 5 and verse 4. 
He that's born in me overcomes, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, what does the Bible tell us in this verse that overcomes the lack of the world? Our faith. Our faith. Our faith applied. We get this idea that when we get born again, that all of a sudden it just is like magic and everything's going to work. And, and here's the thing. It's not like magic. There has to be a reaching out with our faith to apply the promises and the rights that every believer has. Even our faith, our faith, is what overcomes. Say it with me. Say, my faith, my faith is what overcomes. So what we do is we're like, glory to God, I just got touched by God. And we think that we're going to go through the world like glowing. And then people are going to like hear angels singing when we, when we walk by. And everything's going to be great from here on out. I mean, you probably didn't have that exact thought, but how many people kind of thought at some point that's the way it is? Yeah, it's like if I can get there, everything will be awesome. Ask Peter. He walked on water. Two minutes later, if you know that, you've been around for a while. And we act like everything's just going to be magical from that point forward. And everything's just going to work. No. You've got to apply your faith. You have to apply your faith. Anything you grab a hold of. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. God set a standard that our faith is what brings in the overcoming. You have access to it. It's just like a bank card, but you've got to swipe that thing. Right? You can have a million dollars on it, but if you never swipe it at the grocery store, you don't really have usage of it. You've got to utilize it, and our faith is like that. We have to utilize it. So when that attack comes in, I can't seek him on Sunday morning and then by Sunday afternoon stop seeking him or stop believing that he is. I must believe that he is, and I must diligently seek him. I must diligently, I'm consistent with it. I don't stop believing him. I don't take my eyes off of him. I set my eyes on him. Set my eyes on things above, not on things below. And if you back up a few verses from this, you'll see this is the key to causing manifestation of God's glory in the earth. In 11.3 it says, the things that you see were formed by things which don't appear. In other words, when we believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and will speak out the word of God, Revelation 12.11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood gave us access to all of God's goodness, all of him. All of his wisdom, all of his power, all of his glory, all of his healing, all of his prosperity. The blood of Jesus gave us access. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So they started speaking out the things of God like Abraham did in Romans chapter 4. He called those things that be not as though they were. That's exactly what the father did in Genesis 1.1. Light be. 
and light was. We're made in his image and likeness. But, now watch this, this is the part. They overcame the devil. They overcame the devil. They overcome the world by their faith. They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives to the death. So what happens is we're like going good, everything. Hallelujah, glory to God. And then all of a sudden we hit an attack. Boom. And it hits us, right? Y'all like that acting. Boom. Right there. And, and all of a sudden it hits us and we feel the impact of it. And all of a sudden we take our eyes off of Jesus and we become concerned about us. Am I going to die? Am I going to not be able to pay my bills? What's going to happen now that this attack is going to... Ah! Oh my! And what happens is we start to love the life that we've had more than the life that we can see in Jesus because we took our eyes off of Jesus. And that fear of what could happen stuns us and all of a sudden we start to sink. Oh my goodness. It can be offense. It can be a fear that people won't like you. It can be a fear of not being included. It can be a fear of dying because of a sickness. It can be a fear of going bankrupt and bouncing checks. It can be a fear of all kinds of things. It doesn't really matter. It's just whatever the devil thinks will work for you, and he's going to try it. The thief comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Immediately. So when we first started the church and everybody's amen and hallelujah and everybody liked the message. But they'd leave after a while because uh, they, were, they were getting bombarded and they didn't know the schemes of the enemy. They were falling for anything. They were falling for anything. One of them was this. Uh, Y'all, you two. Or, or no, let me have Serena and Barrett come up here. She's got the camera. So, so stand over there, Barrett. Stand right here. One of them was this. We watched this happen. I don't think Barrett likes you very much. I don't think she likes you very much. And this person would go, oh, she doesn't like me very much. Oh, well, now I don't like her either. You got to act like that. <laughs> and then over here, over here, I missed it. I hope she got it. Then over here, they'd be like, look at her looking at you. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't like you very much. And look, listen, originally there was nothing between them. There was no problem. But by being fearful over our own lives, now a problem has been created because the thought was not taken captive. You know what would solve this? If, if, if this believer or that believer, either one would go, hey, uh, is there anything going on? I just, I just, and they would communicate and not just stand isolated. In a matter of seconds, it could all be well. But the issue is the devil teaches us to get isolated because you're easy pickings. That's not going to translate well across the world. Easy pickings. <laughs> but y'all get it. You're an easy target. You're an easy target if you will get isolated and not communicate. Yep. You're an easy target. Yep. 
But if we will come together and see that, you know, well, is this comfortable for her to go and talk about a, a potential problem? Well, no, it might not be comfortable to your flesh, but here's the issue. Do you love God more or your flesh? Because he said, don't let, he said, strive to keep the unity, right? This is a command. And if it looks like unity's broken, go, go. You're at the altar about to leave an offering. You remember your brother has something wrong. Go and make peace. Go. You watch people all the time. They'll be carrying stuff. How's it going, Joe? Nobody in here is named Joe, I don't think. How's it going, Joe? Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. And they're like, what in the world? And Joe's been giving offerings with an oh, it's fine attitude, you know, not really fine, for months. Completely transgressing the word of God and letting division be there, letting a wedge be there, and then wondering why why he's got bill collectors calling him. Wondering why stuff's not working. Thank you all. And so the devil will take what isn't even a problem, whisper it in somebody's ear, and all of a sudden they see a problem. And I I would say we've all fallen for it in some way. And so one of the things that we have to do, you notice that if we believe that God is the solution, even when he comes and tells somebody, hey, that person doesn't like you. If that person knows that God's the solution, they're going to go, it'll be all right. God will work it out. God's word... Thanks be unto God who's always leading me to triumph in Christ and manifesting through me the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. God's working all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I love him and I am called according to his purpose. So he's working it together for good. God's not withholding anything from those who walk uprightly. And I'm going to walk uprightly so he won't withhold any good. His good, he is, will solve this. He is will solve this. So instead of fearing for yourself, and because what happens when the devil whispers stuff like that is immediately we want to take care of our own lives. Well, I need to defend myself. I need to defend myself. What I've got my only thing I have in Christianity is my reputation. If that's a reputation you want, you need to get rid of it anyway. Right? And so we try to defend ourselves. And the devil tries to steal stuff. And we got we gotta get to the place where we're humble enough where we lay that stuff down. I have a story to tell you. Y'all pray for fear that just tra- came over Nicole. It doesn't involve you. So you feel that release? There's victory right there. Just victory. You just saw it happen and come in. <laughs> She's red. She's crying. <laughs> so one time I had a family member. I was 20-ish, 19 or 20. I had an old car. Uh, it barely was held together. It wasn't much of a car, but it was a car and it got me places. It was leaking oil. I didn't have any money. I think I had $5 to my name. Nope, I had $7. And uh, $7 to get gas, go see uh, my girlfriend at the time, wasn't Nicole. Uh, didn't like her anyway. She turned out to be a bad, bad person. And um, yeah. And uh, anyway, went to go try to see my girlfriend. And uh, 
I'm driving down the road and I decided because I have I pushed this car before, you know, so I decided, you know, gas and food was more important than oil in the engine. And um, you know, it wasn't a great decision. I was 19 or 20, you know, you just, you, you got to learn somehow. And uh, so I'm going down the highway. I was like, yeah, it was kind of like a Mario Kart. And um, it, it sounded like a Mario Kart too. And, and then um, I got out and I looked at it and there was a, a puddle of oil under my car. I was like, that is not good. Like in my lightning fast brain, I thought, that's not good. <laughs> and uh, that I know that it really helps an engine do what it does. And the fact that it's on the ground right now tells me we might have a problem. <laughs> lightning fast brain. So a highway trooper comes by. He takes me to a gas station. I spend some of my $7. It hurt me more to spend that $7 than to lose that car. And uh, because <laughs> that's all I had. And uh, I bought a thing of oil, uh, oil, and I took it back in, poured it in the engine, and we watched it as that whole court went straight through and onto the ground. And I went, that's not good. <laughs> And uh, so then I, I put it, uh, you know, and barely got up the ramp. And I went to this. Um, <laughs> it wasn't funny that day, y'all. <laughs> it wasn't funny. Today it's funny. Then not so funny. And uh, I went up to this gas station and I'm sitting up there. And this is before. Well, there were cell phones and pagers. But I, I think, I don't know if I had a cell phone. If I did, I couldn't use it. You know, I had no money. And uh, I don't think I had a cell phone. I think I had a pager on me from work. And um, a pager is this little box that used to sit on your hip and people would punch numbers in and you'd get a text. It's like a text, but just a number. And it eventually there were words on it too, but not at first. And it would tell you what number to call back. Okay. You know, cause numbers used not to be stored. You actually had to remember who they were at one time and remember the number. So anyway, it's been a long time since this happened. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I pull up there, there's a gas station. They closed at like five or six o'clock. Um, they let me use the payphone because uh, I, I didn't have any change, so I had to get change for the payphone outside because there weren't cell. A payphone was this box outside of the gas station, and you'd put change in it, and then you'd hit the number, and then it would ring because you paid it. Okay, paid phone, payphone. All right, and then, and, and it had a cord, and a cord connected the wires to the headset, and yes, and then, um, so I called, I'm thinking, call the girlfriend, because at this point, I'm still really more interested in seeing her than I am about the car or being stranded or anything. So I call, I say, hey, I broke down, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, and, uh, but I need to make a couple of phone calls. Can you please, I'll call you back in just a few minutes. So I hang up. My uncle was somewhat near there. My uncle was near there. And um, within, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And so I called him and I said, hey, can I, you know, can I come stay with you? I've got to figure out what to do with this car. And uh, you're the closest person. He said, yeah, I'll come pick you up. So then I call back the girlfriend and uh, somebody else picks up. 
some other girl in the dorm, and I said, hey, I said, um, I said, hey, where's, I forget her name. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I forget what her name was. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I talked to the roommate, and they said, oh, she went to go eat because the cafeteria was closing. I was like, she went to go eat because the cafeteria was closing. I'm stranded. I was, I'm stranded because I was coming to see you and you can't wait or go get something else to eat. I need, I'm in an emergency situation and I might need your help, but your stomach's calling. Yeah, I was like, that's the last time I ever talked to her. And, um, but obviously, anyway, her stomach was more important than me. And um, so, huh? <laughs> I think she called her some name. You remembered her name right there. All right, so. Um, anyway, my uncle shows up and picks me up. Well, uh, my mom and dad had had a divorce, and it wasn't pretty. And this was my uncle, you know, who was the brother of my mom. And I had basically what had happened was when they split up, I was 14, and it was you have to figure out these, these guys have both been my heroes, and you have to figure out which one's telling the truth. You know, I have to decide now between two people that I don't want to put a wedge between, and I don't want to do it. And it put the kids in a hard situation. And in the middle of that, I'm trying to figure it all out. And because of that, I didn't talk to my mom as much as what I should have. I should have talked to her more. Well, my uncle, he, he informed me of that. And uh, I, he picks me up, rides down the road, and uh, we're heading to his house. And we don't get just a little bit. He starts questioning me about that. The conversation escalates. He says, you know what? And he turns me around, turns around, takes me back to the gas station that's now closed and drops me off in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing. I can't see anything around. And uh, the gas station was the only point of contact. And the payphone, now I can't get any more money to put in the payphone. About, you know, I only had $7, the quart of oil. That was probably $2, and, you know, I'm about out of money anyway. And it uh, drops me off, and it's getting dark, and it's like winter. And I don't have, I got, I got a coat on, but I don't have survive the night clothes, you know. And uh, so that wasn't a great thing for my uncle to do, obviously. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And yes, I'm grown. And at this point, yes, I'm a Marine. But I'm still a kid, you know. I, I'm, I'm still naive. I still don't know stuff. And I'm still a kid. And he drops me off. And uh, praise God, you know, I was able, I forget how in the world. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, start walking that direction down the street. So I start walking down that direction. And unbeknownst to me, about three blocks down the road, hidden in the trees, was a house with some uh, guys working on their car. And uh, I walked up. I said, hey, guys, I'm stranded. Can I use your phone, please? I was like, I don't have any money on me. I just I need to use the phone, make a phone call. So I called another family member from Greensboro, and they sent somebody to pick me up, and I got picked up and everything. Now... Fast forward some years, and we're getting ready for ministry. We're getting ready for ministry, and 
um, the Lord is like cleaning out stuff in me. Like he's preparing me. He's cleaning my heart. I'm, I'm calling everybody and apologizing to them, asking for their forgiveness. I'm making sure that my heart is clean. And it was a great period of time, although uncomfortable to my flesh. But then we come to the day that the Lord says, you need to call your uncle. And I was like, I don't want to call my uncle. And uh, he says, matter of fact, he said, you need to call him and apologize. I'm, I said, Lord, you were there, right? <laughs> like, you remember what happened. What do I need to apologize for? He said, yeah, I was there. He said, and you held it against him. And you need to apologize for that. I said, Lord, I'm not getting like any sympathy from y'all over this. <laughs> yeah. Like you need to, I was like, Lord, if anybody needs to apologize, I'm, logically, I'm thinking he does. But you're telling me to call proactively and apologize for me holding it against him. But he was right, I did hold it against him. Not, not horribly, but enough, enough. And, you know, logically, according to the world, he would need to apologize to me. But that wasn't God's logic. And I got to remember who my source is. I got to remember who can fix stuff. Who is? He is. Who is? He is. Who is? He is. Who is? He is. He is. And I need to remember that. And so I said, well, you're going to have to give me some time to get my heart right on that. <laughs> because my heart ain't right right now. And uh, so I just started praying. And about a month later, the Lord reminded me again, and my heart was right. And I called up my uncle, and I said, hey. I said, he said, hey, how you doing? And at this point, we hadn't talked in years and years. I said, I need to, uh, I need to say something to you. He said, okay. And um, I said, I just need to apologize to you. And he said, what for? And uh, I said, well, that, that day, you know, you did that. I said, I, I held it against you, and it was wrong. I shouldn't have held that against you. Now, think about that. He dropped me off. Most people would say, most people would say, you should have held it against him. But that's not what God said. And God's my source. Not what most people say. What most people say is not my source. God's my source. He is. Not what most people say is. He is. And I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm laying myself on the altar. I'm, I'm, I'm serving people, including my uncle, right? Including my uncle. And I said, I said, I just want to apologize to you. And I apologized to him. And uh, that day, my relationship with my uncle got mended, which was very, very special to me because when I was little, like he was my best friend. We were so close and so tight. And that's part of the reason why the devil wanted to break it up is because of how close and how tight it was. And uh, he wanted to just leave a spear stuck in me for the rest of my life in that, in that relationship. From that day, it was like nothing ever happened again. And we've had the best relationship. And uh, we, can, we can cut up, hang out. I mean, that year at Christmas, we were laughing and cutting up with each other and uh, joking on each other. And, um, you know, I was picking on his red shirt. And uh, that's a family joke. 
but he always wears a red shirt to Christmas. I don't know why I'm like, oh, what red shirt is this year? That looks like the one you had last year. And, uh, but we would just joke with each other, and that relationship was renewed. Why? Because, because I believed more that he is than what people say he is. And a few months after that, my grandfather uh, went home to be with the Lord. But during that time, man, my uncle was really struggling with that, obviously. His dad's going home. Guess who now had the ability to minister into his life and shine the love of God, who wouldn't have had it without a phone call? And God opened up that door. Praise God. And I'm sitting there, and, and he's crying because the love of God's teaching, you know, touching him. I'm crying because the love of God is touching my uncle. And because God's wisdom helped me get that there. God's wisdom helped me. See, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not just when we want to and not when it's logical and not when people, but we seek him all the time with a diligence because he's a rewarder. Turn over to, uh, turn back a few chapters to chapter 6 and verse 12. Chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators, or you would follow imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. How do we overcome the world? Through faith. Who does he reward? The diligent, the ones who are patient in that faith. And, and they will, and if you will be faithful and patient, you will, you will be faithful and you will be consistent. You will be faithful and you will overcome when you believe that he is and he is a rewarder. You will receive the manifestation of the promises of God. And the Bible tells us follow people that do that. So you're not looking for somebody who just started Christianity today and they just got born again last week or they just started a church the other day. You want to see people who have been doing it for a long time and they're connected to God. That doesn't mean that you don't ever go to a new church. The issue is you look at the fruit. You look at the fruit and you follow those and imitate those who are constantly living by faith and they are patient in that faith, so much so that they are seeing the produce of that faith. Amen. You follow that. You look for that. You follow that. You don't just follow anybody. You know what this also says to me? If you see somebody who's not actually living by faith, you don't follow them. You don't follow them. If you don't see somebody who's living by patience, you don't follow them. You don't follow But if you see somebody who's not having fruit produced in their life, they're not seeing the power of God, healing, deliverance. They're not see, you're not seeing the gifts of the Spirit in operation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Right? You're not seeing those things, the power and the promises of God. You don't follow that person. Matter of fact, he says, if they have a form of godliness but deny its power, stay away from men like that. In other words, to deny its power doesn't just mean to say that it's not there. They're not living with power is a denial of power. They need to have power operating in their life. That's who you follow. 
And all of us should grow to the place where we are operating in that so that we can become the disciple makers that other people can follow according to the word. That means we've got to be diligent. We can't just amen on Sunday morning or throughout a tent meeting and then as soon as something comes up, go, ah, and fear for a part of our life and think more about the, the storm, the wind and the waves than we think about he is. The diligence is remembering no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what I go through, I trust God. Yeah. I trust him. And if you think you have it bad or you think it's been you know, overwhelming to you, look at the life of Job. The life of Job. He had all of his businesses wiped out, all of his children wiped out, and even his servants wiped out. And in Job chapter 1 verse 20, now the, Job is really not just a tragedy, but Job is a victory because when you go to the end of the book, God restored him. Double! Man, Job's the kind of person I'd want to follow. He saw the power of God. I saw him go through hard times by reading the book of Job. I saw him go through hard times. And what did he do when that stuff happened? He didn't think about the problem. He didn't think about the wind and the waves. He didn't fear for a part of his life that may be destroyed. No, he dropped to his knees and worshiped God. Job chapter 1 verse 20. He dropped to his knees and worshiped God. And that's faith. What was he looking at in God? Did you think Job knew what was going on? No. Job didn't know anything about it. He was confused. He did, we find out he was very confused about the whole deal. He didn't know what was going on. But here's what he did know. God, you're still worthy of worship even if I think you did it. And we know God didn't do it. The thief came. God was protecting him. God had a hedge of protection around him. Job got into fear. We can see that. Job got into fear, dropped that hedge of protection. But God, God's protection was holding the enemy back. It was the enemy. It was the deceiver. It was the thief that came in there. But Job thought it was God. But even with Job thinking God did it, he dropped to his knees and worshiped God. What kind of faith is that? What kind of diligence is that? He believed God. He trusted God, even when he doesn't. See, we already have pre-knowledge because we have the full counsel of the Word. We know that God doesn't do that stuff to us. We know that in Isaiah 51 and in Isaiah 54, we see that once we're born again, we will never drink of the cup of God's anger and wrath again. It's a promise. It's an eternal promise. God's not going to pour on his wrath and his anger out on his family ever again. It's a part of the inheritance of being born again. It's part of his inheritance, Isaiah 51 and Isaiah 54. It's a part of his inheritance. So we know that's not God. So if we face something, we know it's the devil. It says, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? But see, what we saw at the beginning of the church, and we've consent, continued to see it, is everybody be amen and hallelujah. The devil throws something at them. They go, oh, God, why is this here? And they'd forget all about faith. They'd forget all about diligence and singing. They'd forget all about worshiping God. And they, people would just focus. And we've done it too. Just focus on the problem. We must be consistent in our belief in setting our eyes on Jesus and knowing that he is and he's a rewarder. 
He's a rewarder, y'all. He's a rewarder. What happens when we get consistent? All of a sudden, we get consistent. And what happens? Oh, the rewards start coming. The rewards start coming. The rewards start coming. Galatians, he, he tells us this in Song of Solomon 2.15. Take us to the foxes, the little foxes who spoil the vines. See, it's not the big enemy generally that comes in and ruins the harvest of your life. It's the little things. It's the whisper in your ear that that person doesn't like you. It's the whisper in your ear that you're not good enough, you're not a part. It's the whisper in your ear that this will never change. Oh, it'll change because it's in this world. And if it's in this world, if it's in the flesh, it, the Bible tells us it's subject to change. God's love won't change. He is. But the things of this world will change. And see, we are agents of that change. Or we're not. Depending on how we look at God and do we take our eyes off of him. See, God's not called your pastor to be the only agent of change in your life. You are an agent of change when you stand and believe God is and he is a rewarder when I will did diligently seek him. Lord, I'm going to give you faith. I'm going to give you patience. And I will see the promises of God come to pass. I will see it. And I won't be set aside by the silly little fox of a scheme of a deceitful way of the enemy that's trying to get me off and drive a wedge between me and the one who is. Right. I'm not going to be set aside by that. Right. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now I want to show you, when you come up to that problem, oh, I'm glorifying God, I'm giving God all the glory. Hallelujah! And all of a sudden you come into that problem and the bill collector calls or, or you think somebody's talking bad about you and you feel like i got to defend myself or you feel like where am I going to get that money or a bad doctor's report and that thing. See, what we've got to say is right in that moment, our reaction is a seed. Our reaction is a seed. What was the seed that Job planted? Lord, I don't know what's going on. But I trust you. I worship you. I, don't, I, I think you did this, but I know you're so good. See, it's the faith like Abraham. I don't know why you want me to kill my son. But Lord, I trust that even if I kill him, you will raise him back from the dead. I don't know. I don't understand this. I don't, I don't, get, I don't understand this. But Lord, I trust you. This is a seed. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that way also shall he also reap. God is not mocked. Oh, that person is talking bad about you. Well, he is, is greater than that person. He is, is greater than what somebody can do. Lord, I look to you and you start sowing a seed. Lord, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. Say that with me. Say everything, everything. is going to be all right. Everything, everything. is going to be okay. Because he, because he is. Because he is. Get that in you. Get that in you. Just close your eyes right now. Everything's going to be okay. Say it with me. Everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Matter of fact, it's going to be awesome. Because he is. 
Don't be deceived. God's not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So when everything's going good and all of a sudden we get that flesh attack, and then we sow seed into the attack instead of into God, then we're going to reap the corruption of it. But if we'll sow, Lord, I trust you, then we're, that's by the Spirit, to the Spirit. Then we're going to reap from the Spirit. See, when we get that attack and all of a sudden our brain goes on tilt, we've got to make a conscious decision. Lord, I trust you more than I trust what I see, even if it looks impossible. I trust you. And I sow that faith and that diligence into you, and I will see the promise to step through. I will see the promise to step through. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, when that attack comes and you just start thinking, Oh God, what am I going to do? This is not going to work out. This You're sowing to the flesh. When you start thinking those thoughts and not taking those thoughts captive, you're sowing to the flesh. But when, when that attack comes and you think, God, this is going to be all right. I trust you. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be all right. All of it is going to be right. Now you're sowing to the Spirit. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The eternal life of God will start to go to work inside of you. It'll start to go, no matter what attack has tried to come up, no matter what hurdle has come in your way. I was sprinting just a few seconds ago, and now all of a sudden there's a pit. Now all of a sudden there's a hurdle. Lord, I trust you, and you'll leap the pit. You'll leap the hurdle. You'll go right over that, and you'll have the victory of God, because the God will get underneath you, lift you up over it, but we got to sow into them. We got to sow our faith. We got to sow our diligence. We can't be put off by offense. We can't be put off by unforgiveness. We can't be put off by fear that we won't have enough. We can't be put off by fear that we're just going to be sick and die. We can't be put off. We got to remember that He is. They must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And all of a sudden, where there was a pit, God will form a supernatural uh, floor over that thing and you'll walk right around it, walk right over it. Where there's a hurdle, he'll give you a supernatural hand and lift you right over it just like he lifted up on the Word. He lifted Peter up on top of that water. The Word, the Word, the promises of God, his character and nature and we'll, we'll sow into him and we'll reap. Verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. We'll reap if we don't grow weary. Don't you know this is the devil's way in Acts 27? I think it's verse 20. It says, Paul wrote, he said, all hope was gradually abandoned. If you can imagine Paul being covered with hope when they got on that boat, but now they've been in this storm for so long. Imagine the devil taking like a cheese grater in the spirit and just grating away at the hope of Paul until there was nothing left. That's the tactic of the enemy, to wear on you, to wear on you, to wear on you. See, don't ever get to the place where you're feeling worn. 
Don't ever get to the place where you're feeling worn. Just as soon as you recognize the hope being start stolen from you, as soon as you do it, well, hit your knees. Start worshiping God. Start going through the house, giving God a touchdown dance, you know. Start giving God the glory. Start worshiping. Sow a seed into the Spirit of God so that the supernatural Spirit of God can bring and bring a harvest into your problem. Destroy the works of the devil. Get some praise in you. Get some, get some thankfulness coming out of your mouth. Lord, I don't know how. I don't know what's going on. But I know it will be okay. I know it will be all right. I know I'm going through because I'm looking with eyes of faith. You are everything I need. You are everything I need. You are everything. I want you to see this. Specifically with the church, there's something I was going to share uh, specifically with our leaders, but I felt led to share it with you. Brother Tracy and I were talking about this this week. Two more scriptures, 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. I've watched through the years as Boomerang, Boomerang, Boomerang is a great example of how to go forward and increase. I've watched through the years. As numbers have come and gone, we have, we have more numbers that are solid today than we've ever had. Yeah. Solid numbers. Solid people. Good servants. Last week proved that to me. But I've seen people come and go. Many people go for all the wrong reasons. They do it the wrong way. They don't communicate. They let it. They just like that. They get a thought in their head. And if they just go ask about it, it'd solve it just like that. I've watched that so many times, and it hurts because people don't trust you enough to even go ask a question when you're trying to pour out into your life. And, and it's been discouraging at times. I'm not going to lie. I've had to put my flesh down. I've had to learn how to do exactly this message we're talking about today, or else we wouldn't be here. It, it about broke our hearts so much in year three or four or five, I didn't want to go forward. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And he showed me how to deal with that. He showed me how to stand because people were breaking our hearts. I mean, they were breaking our hearts. We were giving them everything. I needed to know from the Lord his supernatural wisdom on how to deal with that. And he showed us. And that's what's allowed us to be consistent and diligent. He'll give you wisdom if you ask. But here, here I want you to see this, but I've seen numbers go up. I've seen them go down. It's funny. When they go down, they immediately come right back up and stronger. I've watched it every time. Even right now it's happening. Even right now it's happening. It's going up. It's getting stronger. And I want you to see this. So, so you know, by this time, even King Saul had died. You know, David was anointed as king. He was anointed as king. There was an anointing. There was a calling. There was a vision of God. Most people wanted David to go take the throne as soon as he got anointed, but that's not what he did. He, he took the throne properly. He did it in God's order so that he never sowed a bad seed in that. He always honored Saul. He always honored him. Well, now at this point in the, in the word, Saul, King Saul had been killed but still, there were holdouts from the family and the kingdom of Saul, and it was still there. Right, you know, as soon as King Saul's killed, most people think David should have just taken every bit of it, and he could have. He could have, I believe. Look at this. He was anointed to. 2 Samuel 3, 1. Now, there was a long war. 
between the house of Saul and the house of David. Anybody ever felt like that's been you? You were in a long war. That's some of the wind and the waves. I've been in a long war. I'm telling you, some of that's breaking right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, those long wars are being broken right now. They're being broken. This is our year of increase. I want, to, I want you to see something, though. Even though there was a long war, when the people who were the right people in the right place were doing the right things, what was the result? Even though they were in a battle, what was the result when they did it the right way? And David grew steadily stronger. The house of Saul grew weaker continually. I'm telling you right now, as you will be steady and sowing seeds to the Spirit, you're going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. You might misstep here or there. You might miss something. We're not prophesying it. I don't want you to, but you, you got a flesh. And let's say that you missed it. Don't get set aside because you missed it. Just quickly repent and get back on track. And you'll keep growing steadily and stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm telling you, I saw this week, Boomerang is the strongest it's ever been. Amen. I've never gotten the testimonies about Boomerang that I got this week. And it wasn't just the workers. It was the strength of our people. It was the spirit in our people. It was the giving nature of the people. I've never seen it at a strength that's stronger than what it is right now today. I've never seen it. See, it's not numbers that give you strength. Ask, ask Gideon. Ask Gideon and his 300 men. No, it's the Lord that gives you a strength. It's never about the numbers. It's about who is. Who do we serve? And even if you're facing a long war and a long battle, you stay steady. You stay faithful. You stay patient. God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. And it might feel like a long war at times, but you stay steady and you will grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you may have days where it feels less, but you stay steady. And then it kind of goes like this. You start out and you got these big peaks and these big valleys and these big peaks and these big valleys. And then they start to minimize. And before you know it, you got little valleys and little peaks. You're just on a constant steady up. But even then, you'll see that, that your low valley is higher than your peaks used to be because you're growing steadily stronger by sowing. One last point that's very important. You are growing steadily stronger. You're growing steadily stronger now. How many people receive that? Just lift your hands right now and close your eyes. Just receive his strength right now. You're growing steadily stronger. Lord, we're going to be faithful. We're going to be patient. You are growing steadily stronger. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just receive right now the Lord's strengthening you. Hallelujah. The Lord's strengthening you. Glory to God. The Lord is strengthening you. 
The Lord is strengthening you. He's strengthening you even now. He's strengthening you even now. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Glory to God. It may have seemed like a long time. In God's eyes, it's not a long time. In our eyes, when we're focused on the flesh, it seems so long, so heavy, so hard. But in God, he's like, this is nothing. I got you. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Put your hands down. Raise your eyes. One last point. You can see this in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. You, we'll put it up on the screen. But I want to tell you this. This is right before the breakthrough. Now this is, this is, uh, this is right before they really started to get the victory. And David's sitting there. David's been winning all these battles, been growing, doing so good. His army's growing, even his mighty men. Even as mighty, I want you to see this pattern, this pattern. He, he's, he's at this place where everything's going well. They go out to win a battle. They come back, and I believe it's the Amalekites. Yeah. The Amalekites came in while they were gone to battle and took everything. Their children, their wives, their stuff. And let me just read this to you, the first six verses. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev, on Ziklag. And they had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. There was no strength in them to weep. Now, I'm, before we finish this story, I want to ask you something. If you lived in David's time, if you lived in David's time, knowing what you know now, would you want to be with King David? Think about the end of his kingdom. He took up an offering to build the whole temple, and so much of that thing was made out of gold. I mean, a big offering, millions and millions, and I think it's billions of dollars. He, his kingdom was so vast and not only that, on God's, on God's history books, God calls him the great king. He's the great king. He's the one that he wanted his own son to come out of David's family line. How many people would have liked to have been in David's kingdom at the end of it, right? Been a part of that. What do you think they felt like on this day when their city had been attacked? and their homes, and their family, and all that. Do you think they liked David that day? But was he worth following? But this day there were feelings. Watch this. Verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. 
Now David's two wives have been taken captive, Ahinoam of the, Je the Jezreelites and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. A bitter seed had been planted in an attack against the people. A bitter seed. Now, I want you to think through. A bitter seed. I want you to watch this. When they saw the attack and on David's kingdom, what looked like it went down on that day, the devil dropped inside of them a bitterness towards their leader, a bitterness towards David, a bitterness towards the man who was anointed to bring about deliverance for them. This is a very common attack. When you've got somebody who's got an anointing of God and a mission and a vision, the enemy will try to come against all the people at one time, try to get them in their thoughts so that they will drop following the very person that they should follow in that way. It's, a, it's an attack. The enemy does it. Y'all may have seen it at times. I've seen it multiple times. It's an attack of the enemy. It was just as demonic then as it is today. The devil has no new tricks. He just keeps pulling them out. But because we don't know the word, people fall for it. Because people don't know the word, people fall for it. Think about this. Now look here at the last of this verse. This tells us when you're the person that's under attack, what do you do? The same thing that David did. You know, you might be at work one day, and all of a sudden you're trying to serve your employees the best that you can. You're trying to serve them, and you're doing really good. And they turn on you. They turn on you. And, and you're like, you know, I've watched it multiple times in different people's businesses. And the very people you're trying to serve and help and, and help them to grow up, all of a sudden they turn on you, and they, they want to take you out. They want you fired. And you were trying to help them. What do you do in that moment? What do you do when the attack comes? What David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. God, I don't know what happened, and I don't know why we're here. I don't, but this I know. You are the answer that I need. You are my source. You are my supply, and everything will be all right. It might look like I'm between an army and the sea, but, Lord, you'll make a way through the sea in Jesus' name. You will crush the enemies of God. Lord, I'm on your side. You're on my side. If you're for me, who can be against me? David strengthened himself in the Lord. And that's what you have to do in that moment. You have to believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe that he is. You can't let the details of the storm get your eyes off of Jesus. You've got to look to him even stronger. You've got to look to him with even more passion. Find a strength inside him. And what you'll find is, a few moments ago, I felt like just giving up. I felt like everything was about to fall apart. But a good leader strengthens himself in the Lord. He sets his eyes on Jesus, and he'll walk on water again. I might have, And you'll feel where it felt like everything was falling apart all the same there'll be a strength that comes in you a joy no this thing's gonna work it's gonna work out things are going well 
And there'll, there'll be such a confidence and a boldness that'll come on you. You know you got the breakthrough. A streak comes on David. He goes to the Lord and says, Lord, shall we pursue? The Lord says, pursue. You will receive back all. You've lost nothing. It looks like you've lost everything, but you have lost nothing. They go back. They defeat them. Not one thing was lost. Not one person, not one ounce of their, their value. Nothing was lost. The Lord gave. So see, there was a fear. There was a fear of a problem that wasn't even a problem because he is. Now watch this. But had his mighty men moved on the bitterness and stoned David, all would have been lost. We have to watch that. Because that's what the devil wants. He wants us to get disunited, ununited, however you say that, not united. He wants wedges driven. But if we will move together in love, set our eyes on Jesus, take every thought captive, strengthen ourselves in the Lord, God will start to command a blessing and you've never seen anything like it. It'll cause you to give glory to God in such a way, and you've never seen anything like it. And what'll happen? There may be, you know, a few chapters later, it says there was a long war. It may take some time to get everything God wants manifested, because He's not just gonna bowl, He's not just gonna roll over everybody. God is merciful. He'll give them time to change, give them time to repent. He'll give them time uh, to decide, do you want to do this God's way or a different way? He'll give, God is merciful. God is, that's why we're not going back to heaven yet. Because God's saying, I'm not going to blow that trumpet till I can take everyone that can be taken. It's coming soon. It could be today. God, Jesus is coming soon. What's holding it back? He wants to capture everybody he can capture. God's merciful. In David's time, there was a long war. But what happened with David? Yeah, he had to go through some stuff. Yeah, he had, to, he had to be diligent with some stuff. But what happened to him? Because he was going after God and he was called by God and he was in the right place at the right time. He kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. He grew steadily stronger and his enemies grew steadily weaker. And all of a sudden, you, one day, you just keep going after God and believing that he is and that he's a rewarder. And you'll turn around and you'll look at yourself five years ago and go, oh, my gosh, look how much we've come, how far we've come. Look how much we've grown. Look at what's going on right now. Yeah, there were some moments where I felt like giving up, but I set myself in diligence. I set myself in faith. And look at the, God. Look at how faithful God has been. We've grown. Come baby. We're growing now. We're getting stronger. We've come such a long way. If that's you this morning, maybe it's been a long war. Maybe you've had feelings. You know, the devil doesn't wait around to attack you. Oh, he'll attack you right in the middle of a revival week. <laughs> Who knew? God knew the whole time. He doesn't wait around. He won't even wait till it's over. He'll attack you right in the middle of it. He'll attack you right in the middle of it.
But God's got something for that. He who sows to the Spirit will reap from a supernatural Spirit of God. But he who sows to the flesh will reap the corruption of the flesh. My flesh's ability to handle those problems will never exceed the ability of the Holy Ghost to solve them. So when I turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand it. It's been a long war, but Father, I sow myself into you. I sow my my thoughts. I sow my actions. I sow myself. All of a sudden, you release a supernatural power in your life, and you'll start winning. Maybe you feel it physically right then. Maybe you don't. I've had times where I started turning to the Lord, and I didn't feel the immediate relief, but I knew in my spirit it's going to be okay. I don't feel really good yet, but I knew it's going to be okay. I knew I'd gotten breakthrough. I go through, I walk another couple of days, all of a sudden the joy hits me. And all of a sudden I do feel different. I can sense the presence of the Lord that's brought the victory in my life. That's what we've done. We've grown stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you're going to do the same thing. You're going to get stronger. We're going to get stronger as a body. This is the lowest we'll ever be again in Jesus' name. It's the lowest. But yet, it's the highest place we've ever been. But we're just going up. We're just going higher. We're just going up. We're just going higher. Lord, we won't let go of your planting. Lord, we won't let go of your call and vision to us. Lord, we won't let go. But Father, we'll be diligent. And you are a rewarder. Lord, you are the answer that we need. When we feel the pressure, Father, we're just going to look upward. Lord, we're going to put our eyes on Jesus. We're going to see you. And everything's going to be all right. If that's you today, if that's you today and you're going, it's time to break through. It might have been a long and weary war. You might still have some time to go. But today... This altar is open. This altar is open. Lord, today I'm receiving my breakthrough. Today I'm going to do like Job did. I'm hitting my knees, and I might not understand everything, but I'm worshiping you. And Lord, you're going to give me the victory. You are a reward. The altar is open now. You can come on up. I need breakthrough. Today, Lord, everything changes. Today I'm going higher. I'm growing stronger. I'm growing stronger. I need that breakthrough today. Today. Now, don't come up here. Listen, don't come up here whining in the problem. You come up here with a heart of faith. Believing, must believe that He is. He's my solution, and my solution's being poured out right now. As I came to the altar in humility, God's pouring out grace and greater grace. This is my victory. If you get a hold of it, I'll have a hard time keeping you from shouting and running if you get a hold of it. Oh, Lord, I received my victory. I'm not up here whining about the problem. I'm receiving my God, my rewarder. I'm receiving my solution. You may have to hand something over to the Lord. Lord, I hand you me. I hand you me. Lord, I hand you myself. I hand you my thoughts. I hand you my actions. But today, I have the victory. And it'll never be the same. From this day forward, when issues come up, Lord, I'll step right into the breakthrough. I won't have to wait. I'm stepping right into it. I'll have the breakthrough spiritually. It will manifest physically. Glory to God.
Father, right now, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody receiving their victory right now? Even before hands are laid on, you're receiving that victory. Yeah, glory, glory, Lord, glory, glory. Now just pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, today is my day. I receive the victory. I believe that you are the solution that I need. I believe that you're a rewarder. And I will diligently seek you. I receive that breakthrough today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah, breakthrough come right now. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, times are over. Breakthrough, breakthrough now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, let your anointing, Lord, break through. They're, they're growing steadily, stronger and stronger, mightier and mightier in Jesus' name. Stronger and stronger, mightier and mightier in the name of Jesus. <laughs> glory, glory. So do go to Mosul. Thank you, Father. So, yeah, by your anointing, Lord, it breaks the yoke. Breakthrough. I see you. I, when I looked at you one time during the message, I saw you growing stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's on you now. That anointing to grow is there. You're growing stronger and stronger. All of that feeling like you've been pulled back, pulled back again. Go forward. Nope. Stronger and stronger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your overflow. Stronger and stronger in Jesus' name. Yeah, stronger and stronger in Jesus' name. Stronger. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah. You see, as, as you believe that he is, stuff starts to release. As you believe that he is, stuff starts to release. And all of a sudden, what used to hold you back, it's not holding you back anymore. No, all of a sudden, you start breaking through the ceilings and the limits that the devil had for you. You start breaking through. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Yeah, breakthrough now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for anointing to see and then strength to bring it to pass. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, breakthrough in Jesus' name. Stronger and stronger. Stronger, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just see you. I see you in your prayer time. 
I see you in your prayer time, and all of a sudden, your prayer gets so strong, it starts rising up, and, and it's, um, it's one of those things where people wished that they got the results that you got in prayer. They may never know that it was you praying, but in your prayer closet, in your prayer time, your prayers start to get answered. You're getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Oh, glory to God. So Hallelujah. Yeah, let your anointing overflow, Lord. Yeah, I see that anointing <laughs> overflowing in your life, overflowing in your life, overflowing in your life. Oh, glory, overflowing. I see you carrying that anointing like you've never carried it before. Overflowing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hey, glory. Thank you, Lord. I just hear it as I step in front of you. This message today is something that you needed to hear to apply, and it's happened. Not that you've ever had any major, major hard times with it, but it's been little things, like the devil trying to take the edge off of the power of God, and now as you apply it, you hear it, and you apply it, you won't be held back anymore, but you'll, be, you'll get that extra oomph out of the engine of your spirit. It'll be like, it'll almost be like the turbo in your spirit has come on because you'll start hitting levels and RPMs you've not hit before. It'll be so strong. It'll help you. In other words, if the devil could take off just an edge, you lose that top end power. All of a sudden, you'll have it. You'll have that extra ump, that burst of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's changing. This message, you get a hold of it. Meditate on it. Maybe even listen to it several times. There's stuff in it for you. There's stuff in it for you. There's stuff in it for you. Glory to God. There's more than what you just heard with your ears today. There's spirit things in it for you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, time for breakthrough. Yeah, time for breakthrough. Yeah, no more held back by your thoughts. No more. Devil's been trying to play around in your thoughts been trying to play around, been trying to play around. You just rebuke that. Oh, no, everything's so simple. God's told you, shown you what to do years ago. He's shown you. He's told you. He's made it clear. You said it. All of a sudden, he tries to bring deception, get you out of place, get you doing the wrong things. But you know, so, yeah, that anointing, that anointing. Thank you, Lord. So Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. I call all of this garbage over in the name of Jesus. Yeah, your anointing breaks the yoke. <laughs> your anointing, the anointing of joy. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Faith and patience written on your arms. If ever there was a tailor made message. <laughs> Glory. So did Agopa. Again, just like I told Phil, there's a message for you. Get it in you, get it on you. Hey, glory. Bada bokabaya. Bada kota bolsa. Hey, kopada bo. 
anointing, anointed. Yeah, that anointing, that anointing be in Jesus' name. Yeah, and seal it, seal it. Yeah, let me just tell you something. This same message you can apply to keep your healing. You know, people get healed in a line and then they go home and the devil tries to throw it on them. And what they do is they accept the curse back on them. Oh, I must not have gotten it. It must not have worked. No, no, it worked. That's why you could hear. Now just stand in it by faith and patience. He is. The devil's trying to get you to backtrack out of what you had. Oh, no, it worked. It's working in you now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, Father. Hey, hey, as a message for you today. <laughs> Did you know it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like that Winnie the Pooh laugh. I love it. It's so genuine. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else come up now? Ushers, if you need it. I'm telling you, this message is a message for everybody in here. It's a message for every believer. This is how the enemy sacks many things that God wants to do. He'll get in people's minds, throw an attack at them, and they fall prey to it and don't even realize they're off track because everybody thinks it's normal. It's not normal. It's a part of the curse and a plan of the curse so that he can keep people from pressing ahead and moving higher. But see, that's what made David great. He wouldn't let his men back up. He kept pressing into the calling of God. He kept pressing into the anointing of God. And when, and when men attached themselves to his coattails, there grew a momentum in his kingdom that could not be stopped. There grew momentum. You need leaders who can't be stopped, who won't quit, who won't give up. That's why it says, follow them, imitate them, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That means a long war doesn't stop them from inheriting the promises. You see, a long war doesn't stop a good leader. A long, a long war will strengthen a good leader because he'll be strengthening himself all through that. God's calling you to be good leaders. you got to learn how to stand and stand strong no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter what going, you're going through. Oh, no, I know it'll be all right. I know it will be okay. I know you follow men and women who are like that and you become one like that so people can, you can help others become the Disciples as well. Hey, Oh, glory. Hey. 
I know this is shocking to you, but your husband just fell out. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> as a pillar, you got to have this message as revelation. As a pillar, you got to have this message as revelation. Hear that? If you want to be a pillar of God, a strong tower in the house of the Lord, you got to understand this message or else you'll be swayed by so many things. As a pillar, you have to understand this message. Hotana, get it. Get it in you. Listen to it. Hear it again. Hear it again. Thank you, Lord. So anoint them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So to Glory. Glory. <laughs> he looks like he got a got in a fight and somebody pulled his coat up over his arms to trap him. That's awesome. <laughs> Have you seen this? Come here. <laughs> God's so good, y'all. God's so good. We got to learn to trust him no matter what we see or how we feel or how long it carries out. And what will happen is you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden, you'll be the person that God leads people to to help disciple. Not everybody will have their own church, but you'll be in the middle of a church. And you'll be a disciple maker. You'll be fulfilling the Great Commission because you learned how to apply these things and stand strong and having done all, stand. God's looking for people like this. He's looking for people who take up that call and learn how to not quit. Learn how to trust God no matter what they see or what they feel. Learn how to trust the Lord. Do I have any people that will accept that call today? Lord, I'll be that. I'll be that. Raise your hands high if you'll accept that today. Lord, I'll be that. Just close your eyes. Just receive from the Lord right now. Lord, give them a revelation of this. Open up their eyes to see what it takes to do it. Open up their eyes. Open up our eyes, Lord, to see what it takes. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just receive. Say it with me. Say, Lord, we receive what it takes to be a pillar that stands strong over the test of time to make disciples to grow stronger and steadily stronger and get better our lows will be higher than our old peaks glory to God yeah <laughs> Lord just, just keep receiving that right now Lord pour out your anointing to create strongholds of your goodness instead of strongholds of treachery Strongholds of your goodness in your people. So, <laughs> strongholds, no matter what we see, no matter what we feel. Hey! Yeah, Father, right now, anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Anoint him, Lord. Bring about your anointing and manifest it. 
Lord, shoot your anointing through them. Let them walk with it. You're going to see a difference after this day. Lord, let your anointing. Lord says, I've been trying to bring you to a point where you will learn to stand and then you'll do it. You see the importance of it. You see the nature of it. You know enough and you have enough experience in the world to know that it's going to take diligence. And so now, in the name of Jesus, receive that anointing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Let his heart be strengthened and his mind be strengthened. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. So Pelacariantoro, Sereni Otaroso, Susu, Sufra Coromoso, Baniante, Hehes to Corum. Pour it out on him, Lord. Pour it out. Lord, he's hungry. He's hungry for you. He's hungry for you and your things. Lord, pour it out on him. Thank you, Father. Coticari Aladea, Soro Coroboso. Thank you, Lord. Pour it out. Lord, on the ground right there, pour it out, pour it into them, overflow them with your glory. Lord, pour your glory into them. Pour your glory into them in Jesus' name. Just raise your hands. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Winning an increase through consistency. It's yours today in Jesus' name. Do you receive it? Shout amen. 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 Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for teaching us how to go higher and higher and be stronger and stronger than we've ever been before. Father, I thank you that we are leaving here a different people, a more united people looking more and more like you. I thank you the heaviness is gone and the season of freedom is in this house now in Jesus' name. Lord, we give you praise and glory because you've done what only you can do, brought freedom to those who were once bound, never again. Thank you, God. You're so kind. And Lord, as we get ready to go through the rest of this day, we do it with the fullness of hope and confidence that we have you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a couple of announcements for y'all. So, men, no men's meeting. Ladies, also no ladies meeting. After all that was last week, we wanted to give everybody some time to just breathe and rest this week before we hop back into our normal schedule. So take the time. But ladies, get ready because Pastor Nicole has an exciting announcement that she's going to make about next month. So get ready for September because it's going to be good. Impact starts this Tuesday. This Tuesday. If you are already a student, 
Fantastic. We're so excited to have you back. If you're not yet, please come see me and I will get you all of the information about getting started this year. It's not too late. You can enroll like t today. You, you can do it right now. You can do it with me. It'll be great. But we want you to be a part of what God is doing. And here's the thing. Don't even think about the money aspect of it. The money is like, we don't care. <laughs> like that's the least aspect of impact that we care about. If you feel God tugging on your heartstrings about, you know what, I want to go deeper in the things of God, then see me and we will talk to you all about the information. But let money be the thing that you like throw out the window. Don't think about that. Be obedient to what God wants you to do. And it's going to be phenomenal. And Holy Spirit service is in two weeks. So September 10th is when we have our prayer night. So get ready for that. Rope it off. And if you would like more teaching and preaching, like what happened this Sunday morning, this morning, you can get it each and every single weekday on our Lunch Plus broadcast. You can find that by going to uh, whatsright.com, and it'll take you to all of the places that we stream to. But if you want to grow, that's another free resource that we make available for you every single day. So we love you. Be blessed. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you later.